We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues and hosts, incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. You know, we have done a pretty good job the last couple of years of ending the year with incredible guests and you know, just hearing some of their experiences. We have guests throughout the year, but this is always special because it gives us some time to, you know, to just decompress, refuel our tank and and get ready for for January because trust and believe January is going to bring with it, the snow and the winds of all types of change. But I'm curious, Julie, first of all, how are you? You good? Good, good. I love this too, because there are so many incredible voices in our world that you and I are getting to meet from this podcast. I mean, people we never would have otherwise engaged or met in our lifetime. And now we get to just sit down and have an amazing conversation with them. Yeah. And for those of you out there listening, in case you are new to Crazy and the King, you can go to crazyandthekeng.com. Like we do have a real website that lists all of our episodes. You can sign up for the newsletter. That way you'll get an announcement. I think the announcement comes out at some point later in the day. All of our episodes drop every Thursday morning around 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 a.m. I'm sorry, 2 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. And then you at some at some point later in the day, you'll get a uh, newsletter or you'll get an email notice letting you know that a new episode is up. But you said something about mentioning or being introduced to incredible voices. I want to tell listeners, you definitely want to stick around to our Her Voice segment later uh, in the episode because it forced me because of our guest, who's an author uh, and a consultant and a speaker, because of our guest today, I challenged myself, Julie. I said, let, let me go out and uh, unearth, let me unearth, ferret out some names of people that I have never heard from or heard of before. Like I've never read a blog post. I've never seen a social tweet. I've never heard or read or experienced these women's name. And I am assuming that they are out there doing, as some would say, God's work. They are doing incredible work um, inside of organizations that you and I may never touch. And so hopefully somebody out there listening, maybe you might know one or two of the names that we mention later in the Her Voice segment. But I'm looking forward to our guest today. Aren't you? Yeah. Shara Roman, uh, author, CEO, is joining us, uh, has a fantastically interesting background, the way that she grew up. And and it's just, I'm really excited to talk to her and, and to learn a little bit more about how she engages and, and approaches her work as, as a woman of color. You know, she does. And you know what? You said something. As a woman of color, you, you categorize her as if, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, you've been communicating you know, with her, her PR team and her. And, and so you've had more dialogue with her than I have, but you said 
she shows up as a woman of color. I wonder if she would say she shows up as a woman of color. Certainly one of the things that I am going to ask um, in our conversation. I think I also want to ask about that eclectic background. Like she has a very, very diverse, rich, beautiful background. And, And I think, you know, Julie, I think about when I was doing work in the early 2000s. And I would go into some of the meetings here in Maryland. It was the Maryland, it was the Maryland, it was the Governor's work, Workforce Reinvestment Board, something like that, GWIB, Governor's Workforce Investment Board. And I would sit in this room at uh, one of the community colleges, probably a room of 40 or 50 people at the table. I, I always felt like I was the least accomplished and qualified and educated person to be at the table. Mind you, I've built a seven-figure business, but I still felt like I was the least accomplished individual at the table because everyone had all of these degrees. They were heads of industry, CEOs of big companies, division leads. And what I said, people would say to me, well, Torn, how is it that you sit in these rooms? I said, experience and exposure. And what our guest brings is experience and exposure. So I'm looking forward to chatting with Shara. So how about we just take a quick break and let's see if we can bring her up and get her into this conversation. Let's get at it. So, of course, uh, this is one of those times where we have a, a guest And I always say to you all, I really wish that Julie would give me permission to use the video because you never know what's happening like off screen. All you all get to do is hear our incredible voices and we have incredible guests like today. So our guest is Shara. I believe I'm pronouncing the name correctly. She's going to correct me if I'm not. Shara Roman. Uh, author, CEO, and founder. I, I like founder. We could say entrepreneur. We could say consultant. But founder just sounds so much more exquisite. Shara is the founder and CEO of the Silverine Group, a boutique culture consulting firm that is on a mission to make the world a better, more inclusive place for all. Now, I got to tell you, Shar, we actually uh, here, we end each and every show uh, encouraging our listeners to create better culture, better teams, better workplaces. So you, you are on the right podcast. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Torin. Thanks so much for the introduction and for the invitation. I am looking for some Fun times. <laughs> well, we will so, try you know, to so, do so, that. So she, she wants some. She wants some digital fun times. Let's see if we can. <laughs> let's see if we can get that festive digital fun time that Shara is, is trying to uh, to uh, see if she can cultivate. Because I guess that stays with her spirit of better workplaces. Yeah. So, as a female founder to another female founder, you have such a fascinating background. You're born in Bombay, raised in Lagos, Nigeria, uh, educated in England, lived in Greece. Um, add some context for how we, how you ended up right here in Virginia. Married, mom, got a dog, all those good things. 
All right. So um, this is a, a long story that I'll try to make super quick. So I was, as you said, born in uh, born in Bombay, spend my childhood in Lagos. Um, after high school in England, I went back to Lagos to take a gap year. And I met my husband, who um, was stationed uh, was, was with the American embassy. He's a Marine active duty at the time. He's from uh, Puerto Rico originally, grew up in the Bronx. We met, fell in love, and moved to Greece, where we ultimately got married, and then came back to the U.S. so he could continue on with his uh, United States duty stations. And he was stationed in Quantico, uh, Virginia, and so we ended up sort of setting up roots here. And um, you know, I, I, I always sort of joke about the first sort of twenty twenty one years of my life were were super. Uh, well traveled, and uh, I lived in a lot of different places. And then I, you know, marry my my the love of my life, and have spent a lot of my life now in in Virginia. So not as sexy and cool as some of the other places, but you know, we're we're, we're trying to get it there. So oh, that shows Americans the power of a gap year. I just I always <laughs> say that we need a gap year. <laughs> no, and when we think about that gap year, I got to tell you, I, I'm backing up. First of all, you all both, both of you, both of you just did. You took me to school. You took me to vocal school. You know how some folks stand behind the mic and they go through vocal lessons and the instructor says, sing from your diaphragm, you know, fill up the air pipes and sing from your diaphragm. Well, you didn't take me to singing school. But your pronunciation, I always say Lagos. The both of you said Lagos. And let me tell you, I actually was about to jump in, Jay, when you said it. I was like, you know what? Her flow is on, so I'm not going to mess her up. (laughs) And then, Shara, you said Lagos. Did I say Lagos? Because it's Lagos. Uh, Is it Lagos? Okay, so so I had it right. But but I got to say to you. You know, when you give that introduction right there, Shara, uh, I think about our dear friend Deanna Singh from Uplifting Impact and just all of what you said, born in Bombay, living in Lagos, uh, traveling in Greece or having lived in England, lived in Greece, husband from Puerto Rico, the Bronx. I can only imagine what the cuisine is like inside of the household. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I can only imagine. You have to be but our second guest. Now, we probably have had some guests that are like wicked in the kitchen, but I can only imagine. Let, let me not assume. Are you good in the kitchen? I'm decent in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm decent. My husband and I, Raphael and I make it work in terms of what we what we cook up. And um, sadly, though, I, I hate to sort of burst your bubble too much. Um, cooking Indian food takes a lot of time and effort. And so there isn't a lot of that happening in, in our kitchen. I know, uh, that's right. Puerto Rican food, same thing. So, you know, when you have two working uh, parents and all of the, the craziness of, of the busy lives we lead, you know, food has gotten pretty simple. But yeah. what I what I think is interesting is that, first of all, it's it's really a blend, right? Like we use a lot of, so we do use a lot of spices. So I may not make Indian food or he make Puerto Rican food, but we use a lot of, you know, cumin and garlic and ginger and cayenne and, you know, whatever else is happening. And um, we tend to lean into more of the Mediterranean style. I think our couple of years that we lived in Greece, in terms of grilled meat or fish and, you know, kind of just fresh veggies. And that's kind of where we lean into. Um, But it's a big smorgasbord. That word came out okay. 
<laughs> I like that. It did. It did. So your experience, Shara, has positioned you in a variety of organizations. And what you've said is that over time, you've helped organizations through some of their inflection points. You've transformed leadership. You've done quite a bit inside of the companies that you've supported. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, what have you seen has, as being the greatest action the the single greatest thing that you've been able to do or that you've encouraged others to do that has brought about organizational impact? Yeah, that's a great question. And the one thing, you know, it's it's hard to sort of always pin it down to one thing, but I think the single most thing is when we have helped, um, I've helped, my team has helped, right, a leader have that aha moment where that light bulb goes off, where they start to shift how they think and how they see the world and the impact they can potentially have by being more inclusive, by being more curious, by sort of really thinking about their people first and not just saying those words, because a lot of people say those words, a lot of companies say, oh, we're people first, but truly being intentional about that concept around, wow, I have to recognize that the people that I work with um, are unique individuals. They all have their own, their own backstories, their own lived experiences. And how do I really help each of them bring their unique talents to life? When that light bulb goes off and they sort of realize that, then that, has, that just opens the floodgates, right, to real change happening. Because we always talk about sort of change management and changing organizations and transforming organizations. And, and yes, ultimately that's what you want, but you have to transform and change the individuals in the organizations in order for that to happen, right? Because the organization is an entity and it's made up of the individuals and the people. And that's what yeah. we have to focus on. And I want to say that for just a moment, what I appreciate in your response is and, and I'm not criticizing. So when people hear me say this out loud, I want them to know where it's coming from. What I just heard you say, Shara, is that there is no magical potion. There is no red or blue or green or yellow. There's no one pill. There's no one prescription. And, and here's why I like your response. I like your response because I ask that question for a reason. I, when people ask me, well, Torn, what's, what's been the greatest impact you've had in consulting over the last three, four, five years, I always say the one thing that I do is I get all of my organizations to try to ask on the performance evaluation, what did you do to help with our DNI efforts? If I can get companies to do that for 500 people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people, that's the one thing that I'm pointing to. Yeah. I like what you said. Everyone arrives at that aha moment differently. Yeah. So you've, you've been a CHRO. You've helped drive employee and business success. As we've been talking about, you've been advising companies on creating successful strategies around organizational de design, leadership. Eliminate, eliminating toxic stressors in the workplace. That's one of my favorites. Um, and you decided, hey, you know what? I need to put this into a book called The Conscious Workplace. Tell us why you decided it was time to share that knowledge with the world. Um, 
Yeah. So I'll just start by saying I had no plans ever um, to be an author. So <laughs> constant. Why, why, not? why not? I mean, were you like hesitant to get into the writing process? You didn't want to do the whole lock myself in a hotel room and no one could talk to me. What, what was your hesitation around? It was just. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. It was just more like I'm not a writer. Like. Why would I do that? I'm more of a get on stage, talk about it, right? That's right. That's but, right. So, um, so for so for me, when I so I do a lot of speaking, uh, and I do a lot of consulting, and uh, I've stayed in touch with a lot of the people that I've worked with, and I kept hearing this common theme of, "Do you have a book? Did you write? Do you did you write a book? You should write a book. You should really put this down on paper." So that was at a lot of the the groundswell sort of you know kind of organic. Um, sort of movement, right? Sort of saying you should, you should write a book. And then I was approached by a firm that wanted to, uh, you know, they work with entrepreneurs the whole time, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you should write, you know, we'd love to help you tell your story. And I gave that some pause, uh, you know, and reflection, right? To say, you know what, maybe I really should take that time. And let me really think about um, what it is that I can add value to. And, you know, Torin, maybe part of what was holding me back, although not a lot holds me back, but what I think might've been holding me back is I'm not a writer, but I'm not like this, this person that's arrived in the world. Like who am I to sort of take pen to paper, right? And, and, and tell a story. But as I really thought about what is the impact I'm having when I go and I talk to a group of women that want to break into entrepreneurship or want to grow in their organizations, or I talk with leaders that, um, you know, even in a, in a 15 minute speech kind of have sort of that moment of uh, awakening, right, to say, oh, I might want to look at this differently. I thought, well, if I can impact people, right, by putting these thoughts, my perspective as a woman, as a woman of color, as an immigrant, essentially to this country as someone who lived a very good life prior to coming here. And then that life didn't sort of quite carry over, right? Because when you come to the US, it's sort of like a blank sheet of paper and you've got to prove yourself in America. And all of that contributes to who I am and how I've maneuvered my way, for lack of a better word, through the, the corporate world. And now how I lean into both sort of driving the business, building a business and sharing that with, with everyone. So those were all the things that were, were happening. And I think it's an important story actually for people to read about, and it's not a story about me, right? But it's a story from the perspective of, of me. Yeah. I'm going to get to, I want to get to the subtitle, but you actually said something, which I want, I don't want to, I don't want to speed past that. You said, um, lived a good life. Coming to the U.S., things were a little bit different. You said a woman of color, immigrant. So I'm curious, Shara, how do you show up um, from day to day in professional environments? Maybe an uncomfortable question, but do you show up as a woman of color? Do you show up as, if this is appropriate, I might even be wrong in saying this, do you show up as an immigrant? Do you show up as, I have a dear friend, Aubrey Blanche, who's a white passing Latina? And she admits that she she can lean on her white passing side, even as a Latina. How do you show up? Yeah, and that's a really great question. And how I've showed up and how I'm showing up is evolving, right, day by day. Oh, so thank you for that. I, I didn't show up for a lot of time embracing women of color 
or embracing my Indian heritage because quite frankly, I don't have much of a connection to India, right? I was born there and then I moved to Nigeria when I was a baby. My parents grew up in a very Western, my parents and my grandparents even grew up in a very Western type of way, um, which has its own sort of pros and cons. But um, there was a, uh, there was a time when I was actually at CGI and I had taken over um, a fairly large team and the, the young women that came um, sort of saw me as this, you know, super strong, super together, um, very poised professional woman. And, and in a way it was very intimidating to them because they're like, well, you're so perfect and everything is perfect. How can I ever get like this? So that was sort of one of the moments, probably what, 15 years ago now, uh, 10, 12, whatever, somewhere in that, you know, in the early, in the early 2000s, that was a light bulb moment for me in terms of how do I really show up more authentically as a woman and as a mom and as a wife. And then as I've kind of continued that learning and that, that journey, I realized that I have been able to claim some success because maybe I'm white passing right? Maybe because, um, maybe not, it just depends on, on how that is, but I don't make people feel super uncomfortable, right? Cause I talk like I've grown up here and, and lived here my whole life. I, um, I think because of being a child and moving around and living everywhere else, I'm easy. I can easily adapt and, and sort of conform. And I sort of know how to make people feel comfortable. Um, but more and more, as I introduce myself, I, I do sort of talk about, hey, I'm not mainstream, right? I do think differently. I have different experiences and backgrounds. I come at this as as really a very intersectional person. Um, so it's it's a growing it's a growing piece, right? The immigrant piece is a little bit more challenging in the sense that I don't lean into it. Um, or, or try to t- take advantage of it, I guess, is in, in one respect, because immigration and, and immigrants, there's a whole different sort of set of circumstances and stories sort of behind that. But ultimately, I didn't grow up here. And I don't have a lot of the, the baggage and the, um, I, I haven't had those experiences as a child growing up here. And so those were not my formative years, but now as an adult sort of looking at all of it from the outside or actually looking at it kind of more introspectively, I see how that plays out for so many different people. The uh, subtitle of your book, The Conscious Workplace, the subtitle is Fortify Your Culture to Thrive in Any Crisis. Now, I'm wondering, like inside of the book, did you put case studies like um, navigating a poor economy, uh, global climate crises, war, a pandemic, or Shara, is it a bit more predictable, like dealing with a boss that has microaggressive tendencies and other examples like that? Yeah. So we actually, so I didn't talk so much about war or any of that climate crisis or any of that, right? I'm not necessarily an expert in that space, but what did, did feature fairly, uh, fairly prevalently in the book is, is the whole pandemic, right? And, but, and because that was so centered to what was happening for the workforce, for employers. Um, but if you think more globally about ESG, you know, environment, sustainability, and governance, 
that if you're at the board level and you're able to sort of drive that conversation in a much more global way um, or broad way, that's what we want people to do. But really the thrive of in crisis um, was really about, it, it could be anything, but we use the pandemic as the example of, listen, we had to overnight completely pivot, reshape, rethink how we were doing things. And unfortunately, not everyone has really adapted, right? We are still, we're, we're saying, oh, the new normal, and we're just bolting on things uh, in an organization versus really exploring and examining, well, how do we really structure our organizations to begin with? Why are we, you know, we're saying we're really productive, but we're really productive because people are working, you know, 50% more than they were working before. So how do you ensure that people have proper workloads, appropriate workloads, that people are leaning into their strengths, that you're really making those human connections because hybrid is great, remote is great, but not if you leave people in their own little isolated um, sort of window screen, right? And you're not really engaging them. So that was really the the backstory or the kind of the theme that we have through the book. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of sticking with this, belonging, empowerment, you know, why do you feel that DEI isn't enough until you're, you get paired with the critical components of belonging and empowerment in a, in a culture? Yeah, I, so, you know, from, from a belonging perspective, um, it really, at that point, allows us to bring our whole selves into the workplace, right? And we talked about this just earlier that, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO, I'm a wife, I'm a, a woman, I'm a woman of color, you know, all of those pieces. And if, if, if you as an individual can't feel sort of fully safe, fully connected into the organization, fully know that your boss, your manager, the leadership really have your back then you're going to always hold something back. So, and if you hold something back, then you're not fully bringing all of those strengths and talents that you have. And then you're not able to really bring everything into that organization to help the organization be more creative and be more innovative and ultimately be more profitable. Um, and you don't feel like you belong with, in terms of sort of the empowerment piece, because so much, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, so much of our uh, work life is prescribed, right? Like our bosses want to tell us what to do and how to do it. And instead of saying, hey, here's what I need done and here's when I need it done by, instead of forcing the, this is the way we've always done it, right? We don't allow that creativity. We don't allow that exploration. And so when you are empowered, you have opportunities to make decisions on your own. You're allowed to sort of figure out how you're going to get to the end game, of course, within the, the parameters the organization sets. Um, when you have sort of that ownership, you can have, a, uh, you can have an element of, um, you know, uh, uh, opining on the future of the organization. So you want to bring all those pieces together. Um, because we know that diversity is about facts and numbers, right? It's a good thing. We need to know it, but it can get very uh, metric driven and more people sort of feel like, well, I have to do this and can easily check the box. When you have inclusion, people are, are sort of included and you want people to managers to ask questions and drive curiosity. But unless you really put all those other pieces in place, people aren't going to feel like they belong and they're not going to feel like they can really be um, empowered. Does that make sense? 
It does. In the book, you talk about the best friend um, being a critical component to productivity and to engagement. Uh, I'm wondering, as we close out the segment, Shara, why is the best friend important? So your response to that criticality and, and then maybe something you want listeners to absolutely take away from your time here with us on Crazy and the King. Sure. Um, you know, the best friend concept was introduced by Gallup many, many years ago, right? And it's a question they ask on their on their Q12. Um, but essentially, you know, having a best friend at work is like having having a friend, having someone that you can lean on, someone that you can you can talk to about what might be bothering you without holding back. So much of the time we are afraid to share what is truly going on for us in the workplace because we feel like we'll be judged, we'll be marginalized, we'll show a sense of weakness, and then that will be used against us somehow, somewhere, sometime. And particularly for women, particularly for people of color, particularly for people from other marginalized groups, whether you have a disability, whether you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, whatever, right? You don't want to share because you're, you're worried. So when you have that friend, that person you can fully trust, and hopefully you have lots of friends, then that just really helps you, again, feel more connected, feel like you belong, feel like you can really be who you are. And if you're not spending all that mental energy holding things back, then you're bringing it all, right? Like you're not worried about all these other things that are that are distracting you. So, um, you know, I think as a, as a final takeaway, um, I think that if leaders in organizations and even work, work for, I, I look at leaders as, as not just sitting in the C-suite, right? Like we're all leaders. We all have a way we can um, lead change and drive change in the organization. But if we come in with this mindset of, being intentional about our culture, being really intentional about how we show up, how we want to lean into curiosity and learn about the people that we work with, then it'll just end up leading into trust and um, belonging and creativity and growth and really a place of abundance that we can all thrive because that's what we want, right? We have... Um, Close to 65% of the workforce is disengaged and unhappy about the places that they work with. That's a serious problem. So if we're conscious and we're intentional and we lean into how we can, how we can create um, places where people can thrive, then it's a win-win for everyone. The Conscious Workplace, Fortify Your Culture to Thrive in Any Crisis. Author, founder consultant, CEO, mom, incredible speaker, all of those things. Shara Roman, we appreciate you for joining us here on Crazy and the King. People that are listening, you can find Shara on her website, Shara, that's S-H-A-A-R-A, Roman, R-O-M-A-N, SharaRoman.com. Again, Shara roman.com and are you active on like social twitter instagram any of those places um definitely active on linkedin um okay. that's probably the best place to uh, uh, to to find us yeah that works okay. absolutely shara roman thank you so much for joining us absolutely thank you both torin and julie real pleasure to to connect with you both all right. Her Voice is where we amplify women that are making moves. And in the spirit of our fun conversation, Shara said that she wanted to have some fun 
I hope that Julie and I uh, enabled her to have a little, a, a bit of digital podcast recording <laughs> fun. But in the spirit of our conversation, we decided to feature women that are authors, consultants, or speakers, women that have done some things. And so our first person is coming from Shara. She actually raised a name, Jennifer Ives. She's a friend, a colleague. Shara says that you, Jennifer, are brilliant. You are a thought leader uh, in the tech space and in sales, that you are also generous. You lift up other women you mentor, and you lead inclusively. So shout out to you, Miss Jennifer Ives. And the next one, which I am so pumped about, Marissa Nisley, who is an undergrad student at Georgetown, yay, um, who is doing her podcast to help others understand the world of people living with disabilities. She hosts a podcast called Legally Blonde, and blind. Uh, Shar loves her energy, smarts, and action orientation to making the world a better place. Name drop to you, Miss Marissa. Adriel Parker, she helps leaders, teams, and organizations improve cultural competence. Um, she helps them to identify and disrupt systemic barriers, and she also builds more equitable and inclusive spaces for all. Now, what I like about Adriel is that she also coaches Black women and has an awesome YouTube channel. You can find her on Twitter at Adrielle Parker. That's A-D-R-I-E-L-E Parker, Adrielle Parker. And finally this week, we have Tiffany Grandchamp, founder of Women Lifting Women, a consultancy and all women leadership team. We're so happy to amplify Tiffany. If you reach out to her, let us know about the experience. Her website is womenliftingwomen.org. Womenliftingwomen.org. Moving through the holiday season, so appreciate you, Jay. Uh, appreciate Shar Roman for coming through. We close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your individual, unique, and special voice. Let's do everything that we can to be a better human, build better teams, better culture, and better workplaces. For now, Jay and I, eggnog style, we ghost. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.